1: Manchester United, Everton, and West Ham all on zero points after two match days. Tuchel and Conte taunt each other throughout this heated Chelsea-Spurs match only to split points. Barcelona struggled to find a way to score with one of the greatest strikers of all time on the field. AC Milan, Inter Milan start their respective seasons. Perfect. We talk about those matches and more. Golasso begins right now. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Golasso. I am your Fill-in host uh, for today, alongside my former teammate and one of my favorite players to play with, Michael Hood. Michael Hood, what is going on, man? It's good to see you.
2: Uh, Thanks for having me on, Heath. It's good to reconnect with you. Good to see you. And I'm, I'm speechless. I don't even know what to expect in world soccer or any soccer anymore. There will be drama. There will be goals, especially late on.
1: Okay, so before we get into it, it sounds like your voice is a little bit raspy. So let's get that (laughs) out of the way uh, real quick. Seems like you had perhaps a a long night or a busy day yesterday. I mean, walk me through it. And you also, I'm seeing a different backdrop, so you must be on the road.
2: Yeah, I'm up here in Austin. uh, Do color commentary for Austin FC. And what a finish it was. (laughs) They were down 3-1 probably 60, 70 minutes in the game, and then out of nowhere, the team came to life and won the game 4-3, almost the final kick. Sebastian Drusi, MVP race, former Zenit St. Petersburg player that uh, was covered here on KGalasso, scores the winner, and I didn't know what to do. Uh, faint, go to the club, grab a drink, just didn't know what to do, so I went home and slept. But here we are. Here's the show. More to come.
1: Okay, I like that. Well, let's start, obviously, with with Chelsea Spurs. This was a wild game, and... You know, when you listen to the broadcast or you do research on these matches, you see so much history involved, right? And you and I, we didn't mm-hmm. we didn't grow up in in amongst the history of, of of a lot of the teams in in the UK. But then when you see just from the from the start, uh, uh, Tuchel, Conte in each other's faces, taunting one getting in the in the other's face, one running down the sidelines around goals. <laughs> I mean, it really illuminates it and brings it to life. And you know, players come and go, managers come and go, go. But to see them tap into that. That history and that tension was unbelievable. What was your initial take from this match?
2: I I love it. This reminds me of the Premier League in its golden era when you saw, even before Mourinho, Ferguson and Arsene Wenger and the tension you saw in in that matchup with those teams. And this could very well be two teams that sneak into that title race conversation. Tottenham Hotspur's last season were, were kind of the disruptors against Man City and Liverpool. They beat City twice home and away. And so they they did a lot of good business in the window this summer. And Chelsea, they're the team, kind of the forgotten team. They got Koulibaly, they got Sterling, uh, but haven't really done as good of business as they may have wanted with some other signings. Cougarela coming in as well. But this is the high pressure, high intensity game you, you want Nor- or London derbies to be a part of.
1: Now, we've got this comment here from from Burdenorf saying, as a neutral, pretty bad officiating this one. I mean, obviously, mm. there was some controversy around moments that led up to goals, fouls that weren't potentially called. Did you – were you I, – I personally kind of like the flow of the game. Was there any officiating issues that you saw or were caught up in? Uh, the,
2: the the one that was a main talking point, the first goal, the Horbier goal, not so much the foul or lack thereof. I think depending on which angle the referee has, obviously VAR gets to have a – look taken at it but there was one angle that showed that bentacore may have gotten the ball first and then the man initially i thought it was man then ball but on the Horbier shot Jorginho with a costly mistake but on the Horbier shot where charleston i think he was offside i think he was in mendy's line of sight and i think that made the difference between that ball going in i think the referee may have gotten that call a little bit wrong to get spurs back in the game
1: Now, when you look at this match overall, it was just had so much drama going back and forth. Even when I was writing the intro for the show, I was like, you know, they, 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 uh, Chelsea control from start to finish. When I look at the first half, you know, Spurs had just a few maybe half chances. And then the second half, they started to put their foot on the pedal a little bit more. And, 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 you know, it came to some, some good goalkeeping and perhaps some more clinical finishing that could have changed things early on Mm -hmm. in the second half, but it went back and forth, back and forth. And then ended up with all this drama in the end, was do you think splitting points is the, is the fair
2: result in this one? I think Chelsea will feel hard done by. I think Tottenham Hotspur, this feels like a win to them because they didn't have much for about 60, 65 minutes. The Harry Kane chance was really one of their first opportunities. I think they had, after 65 minutes, they only had one corner. That is very atypical of Tottenham Hotspur's soccer or football in the last six months that we've seen under Antonio Conte good counter-attacking team, but they have enough talent that if you don't put them away as Chelsea did not Kai Havertz, I'm looking at you. You had a few chances. You didn't convert Raheem Sterling. You got the assist. You didn't convert Mason Mount looked like he couldn't hit the Thames. If he was standing on the bridge itself, And it's just what happens in premier league soccer against top four contenders. If you don't put them away, they will get chances and put the ball in the back of the net and Harry Kane one of the best goal scorers in the premier league does so
1: now we've got another comment uh coming in saying obama yang asap do you feel like um chelsea are lacking that clinical fishing, finishing do you think that i mean you look at the opening weekend for 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 yeah. spurs and then you look at now for spurs and you expect more when you look at the numbers that harry kane and son put up over the last year but production seems to be coming from elsewhere do you think either of these teams are, are in are in need of a last ditch moment to, to to bolster up their squads?
2: I think Tottenham Hotspurs are in a good place. They look at the players they can bring on the field. Rich Charleston, a guy who was lighting it up a couple seasons ago for Everton, a player that Everton wish they could clone and bring back in their locker room because they look miserable right now. He comes in and he changes the game. He wins that free kick late on that leads to the Harry Kane corner kick goal. And, you know, Tottenham are okay. With Chelsea, though, they're missing those half chances that a quality striker will finish. And Timo Werner, one man's trash is another man's treasure, going to Germany and looks like he found his scoring boots, just needed to get a change of scenery. So this Chelsea team, they're not done yet, I don't believe, in the transfer window. And they have an ownership and CEO in Todd Boley and company who are ambitious, who want to make a splash. So I expect maybe one or two more names to come through.
1: Well, I, you know, this controversy continues. So I just look, went on to live score as, you know, we started this, as things started to get chaotic after the handshake between Tuchel and Conte mm-hmm. where they, one of them wouldn't let go and they held in each other's faces and there was a scramble. They were both sent off in what looks like the 90th plus eight minutes. Uh, so a red card for both of them, which is adding to the drama of all this. But going back to that officiating, mm-hmm. you know, we have this comment here from from Sumit Garg saying, did they change the rules or something? Hair pulling is allowed?" question mark. And And, and that to me is... You know, obviously there was a lot of these moments, and the reason I say, you know, for the refereeing is they were very, very close calls. But you know, when he let these things go, there was also uh, some, some, some commentating during the match around should it have been a sending off with the pulling of the hair. And as I start to review all of that, do you feel like this ref maybe leaned one way or the other in this match, or, 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 or there was a preference taken towards one of the teams, not not on purpose, but that a team got the better of this referee tonight?
2: I think Tottenham Hotspur's did because when you have the pulling of the hair, when you have a potential foul, and a minute later, Tottenham Hotspur's benefit from scoring a goal, when you have a possible offside call and you have VAR that you can use as a resource, the referee doesn't see it and call it, it goes your way, and in big games, there's always going to be a nervy moment, and Anthony Taylor, typically a referee who refs solid games, doesn't favor one side, goes unblemished but he had a part to play today because if that if that is seen and called and that's a potential red card which I think it is that changes the flow it kills Tottenham's momentum and then Chelsea get out of there with a win but take no take nothing away from Tottenham Hotspur's they did what they had to do they warmed up the bus and they will now be back on the M1 or M6 or whatever M freeway back to North London M something that's that's for sure so
1: you know looking back and in terms of our final thoughts of this this match in itself Harry Kane with an unbelievable equalizer at the end of the match. Exactly what you want uh, from, from a player like that to get involved, get in the mix, showing you the value of set pieces, especially in the closing moments of the game where the Chelsea faithful were already singing and chanting as if the game had been secured, really rooting on their teams. And then obviously Bali, who doesn't score a ton of goals, is the hero on an unbelievable, what, what could have been the hero, in, on an unbelievable volley, Uh, you know, getting just past Kai Havertz there. Kai Havertz also having opportunities to not finish who was your man of the match in this game, or was there any player that stood out to you? Because Koulibaly was one where he set up that first goal with his pressing uh of getting the uh or the second goal, pressing high up the field, winning the ball into good spots, his ability to know when to release, mm. you know, uh into the midfield to to put a ball away or to cut off a pass, especially in the transition game. Uh, he, he's gotten so good at that, so and and is an instant impact on this team for obvious reasons. Was there anybody that stood out to you in this one? Whether it was a midfielder, forward, or defender that you'd give to man of the match on either of these sides,
2: I would look at two players. I think Reese James had an excellent game, and uh, San Yun Ming. You didn't hear much about him or see much about him because that was what Reese James was tasked to do was shut him down. Very aggressive. He and uh, what's his name on the right side. I'll get back to him in a minute. But him on the right center back position, a position he hasn't played much, naturally a defensive midfielder. This guy gets better and better. I expect to see him on the plane to Qatar. He's healthy to start the Premier League, and a healthy reach, James, is going to be a good Chelsea team. And he gets a second goal and what could have been the winner. So look for more just last-ditch efforts in the final third, having the composure and the quality. And mind you, Raheem Sterling getting on the box scores. That could be big for his confidence in games to come.
1: Yeah, and the, and the thing for me in, in this match, which I found bizarre, is when I looked at the 75th minute, I believe it was around the 75th minute, there still had only been, let me see here, uh, uh, two sub, one sub from each team. Mm. And then when Chelsea went into their their subs and added Pulisic and added Gallagher, uh, I was like, there's, there's a real life to them, and you could feel them come back to life there. Same thing on, on the opposite side for, for Spurs. Do you feel like there was a need to maybe bring in more players? Both of these managers looked like they were pretty cautious of, not wanting to change the dynamic of this match and leaving it late to bring in, as you mentioned, pretty deep squads and and could change the dynamic of the game, which I think they did, which led to a lot of this drama at the end.
2: I think it's down to the fact that this is game two of a very long season to come and the fitness of players, that that is the details. And those are the details where Jorginho comes off immediately. We've seen Thomas Chuchel leave Jorginho. And I think of a Champions League game last season against Lille where he made a costly mistake leaves Jorginho in and he provides the assist to get chelsea back in and over the line with the tie and that's going to come with the fitness and increased fitness and and just form of players and i think you typically see that early on just early subs just to to manage it and keep it safe
1: all right well that wraps up our thoughts on the chelsea spurs make sure you throw those comments in we'll get those up on the screen make sure everybody can take part in this uh wonderful conversation i mean what a dramatic match but let's uh shift over to the rest of the matches over the, over the weekend in the premier league, obviously starting with today's other results. uh, Forest are able to squeak out a one nil win over West Ham. Declan Rice missing a penalty in that one to draw a level, but a great momentum or moment for, for, for uh, Nottingham forest uh, here in the premier league, this season, Aston Villa able to go out on top on Everton, Everton pointless uh, to start the season, but still look better than I think uh, perhaps the results suggest Arsenal uh, 4-2 over, over Leicester City, starting their season perfect as well. Six points after two matches and scoring a ton of goals and just so dynamic in their buildup, the ability to play at speed, know when to change things, and then scoring goals as well. Brighton and Newcastle uh, level on nil-nil. Manchester City go 4-0 over Bournemouth. Uh, Southampton uh, claw back after going down 2-0 to try to tie or draw 2-2 with Leeds United could be an issue that I'm worried about for Leeds United. We'll talk about that. And Wolverhampton Wanderers, Fulham go nil-nil. And then Brentford, yep. another big moment of the weekend. 4-0 over Manchester United. Now, that's those are the results over the weekend. I don't want to guide you too far into something. If you've got somewhere that you want to start, uh, Mike, on on one of these matches, we'll start there. But yeah, lots to talk about. Is there any one of those that stands out for you in terms of results so far?
2: Uh, I'm going to stay away from the obvious because I needed the Austin FC game to pick me up from uh, this state of depression that I was in with Manchester United. So I'll start. I'll just start with there as a United fan. And I, Heath, I, I know. I think you're an Arsenal fan. I know you're smiling cheek to cheek. That's I got my game Arsenal game. hat on, you know. Like I went and took this out of the club. Yeah, <laughs> I think it, you're an Arsenal fan. Not too fan. many
1: times in a year do I get to take this one out proudly, but you know, <laughs> six points after two match days, seeing Gabriel Jesus, who you saw flashes of that as yeah. well at, at 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 City, but never really became that starter or that star for the team. To see him really embrace that kind of Aubameyang type role mm-hmm. of putting this team on his back, he was involved in all all four goals on uh, four Arsenal. It's just a, a great feeling. Um, but for you, was was that was that a standout match for you? Was there any other ones that you know? Feel free to go to Manchester yeah. United if that's one in terms of the morale of the team and where they stand. I'm seeing a lot, by the way, uh, of just blaming ownership. And look, I I fully agree uh, that that they have been detrimental. Both been on the field in big games. You and I have both yeah. been on the field representing a, a crest or a team. Granted, we never played at the level of Manchester United, but we've been in places where it does come down to yes player selection and squad mm. and having depth in your team and healthy roster and and morale is all that. But when you step on the field, you still have that personal pride of being a professional. And when you look at Manchester United, you can't tell me that they're a 4-0 defeat uh, in a match like that, considering the quality of players they have. So what were your thoughts on that one? And kind of what are your main takeaways and mm. where they're going right now, knowing that they've started the season pretty poorly?
2: It's getting worse quick. And Cristiano Ronaldo, that situation needs to be handled. Is he going to stay or is he going to go because it's a dark cloud hanging over this locker room, this club, and the, the red half of the city of Manchester, the blue half is sunny. There's rainbows out, you know, there's unicorns flying around, there's barbecues, all that's happening. I don't know. DJ's Holland's, Holland's pretty
1: mad, but he's not getting a goal in a game and doesn't yeah. get his tap ins. I mean, he's, he's one where I could see, you know, he's got that big enough of an ego. Oh. Phil Foden doesn't feed him the ball. Yeah, might not, thinking... even, even when they're winning, they might not be happy, but sorry. Continue. No,
2: no. Well, Phil, for Phil Foden's sake, you know, He's going to be passing that ball because you don't want to have to answer to a guy twice your size at halftime again. But for United, just the lack of character in that locker room, the lack of belief that's happening on the field. I would put all 11 players on the transfer market. It starts with David De Gea, who last season saved Manchester United time in and time out. And he's had some of these games here and there. He's one of the highest wage earners. And I think that is such a big issue. They keep rewarding Players who haven't performed in the last few seasons with new contracts, and players that have been at the club. I think of Phil Jones. How is this guy still getting a contract? I feel like when I say that, I'm Graham Soonis, who's always looking to blame Paul Pogba. So I'm going to retract that Phil Jones statement and focus on the guys on the field. I thought Martinez had a difficult game. The third goal, just the the, the lack of height is going to trouble him. Premier League teams are going to key in on that, and it's going to allow teams to play more direct. Harry Maguire. At what point do you – you, if Martinez is going to be your guy, at what point do you just get him off the field and put in Rafael Veron? The fact that you have a Champions League winner on the bench is ridiculous to me. Veron had a difficult season last season, but he, this guy won a World Cup. Get him on the field. I mean, it, it's just getting ridiculous. And I, I saved my rant for Kegel today. I tweeted yesterday that I'm going to go on an awful rant. This is it. Ten Hogg, I am so sorry. You boarded the flight from Schiphol in Amsterdam to Manchester for this crap. This is absolute crap from the players. Marcus Rashford, what are you doing, man? He looks devoid of confidence. Jaden Sancho, stop putting TikTok videos. We just got rid of Jesse Lingard. Oh,
1: you're becoming an old school manager on me now. Oh. Stay off the internet. You know, put your <laughs> phone away. No, like, no. Follow me yeah, on TikTok yeah. is what I meant to say. <laughs>
2: no, I'm just. I just need to blow off steam and just call everyone out. But. These are the type of games. Arsenal last season, they started rough. And when you have a new manager who's got the philosophy, who's no-nonsense and, and, and has just the pedigree of being successful elsewhere, Arsenal started poorly last season, and they turned it around. It was a must-win game in Game 3. This game is a must-win game. Their next game, well, geez, I say their next game. I think they go up against Liverpool next game. So maybe after that, the Everton game, which comes in October, is a must-win game because I'm looking at the schedule. They have, what, Liverpool next, and then Arsenal coming up a few weeks. I mean, it's a tough start for United. And they could – I mean, this could be the end of Ten Hag if they stay the course before we even get started.
1: Yeah, you're totally right in in the way that, you know, people keep talking about the patience needed with Ten Hag. But look at the quality of players on your field. Now, now it's one thing to – be tinkering with stuff. It's another thing to be completely outplayed by a team that shouldn't be anywhere near you. And that's an issue. And yeah, I think that could be cultural. That could be a number of things. I'm not in that locker room, so it's tough to say, but it's certainly demoralizing and disappointing to see Manchester United uh, this early on in the season with the new manager, with the uh, you know some changes into the squad, not being able to live up to that expectation. Now, let's talk about anything else uh, in terms of the the... Premier League results over the weekend, yeah. Mike Lute. Is there any is there any other ones that you want to discuss? Could be Leeds United uh drawing with Southampton again after going up early and that one and sort of coughing it up late. Arsenal again scoring their their multitude of goals. Aston Villa squeaking out that one against Everton, who were very good and had their chances in the second half. Um is there any yeah. of these that, that 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 come to mind that you want to discuss? Fulham as well, by the way, uh continuing to get points, a Fulham side with with two. Two Americans that were just, yeah. ne- you know, Tim Reem and 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 um, at, at the center back position, not knowing how they're going to be able to perform, expecting them to be an elevator club. They seem to be competing as well to start the season.
2: Uh, Mitrovic, the storyline again, he missed a penalty, looked like a world beater against Liverpool, unfortunate for him. But the Serbian international, he as he goes, this Fulham team goes, I'm going to go with Villa. And I know LME's tuning in, watching in, so bathing somewhere. Uh, your LME. honorary
1: villa conversation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> LME,
2: JJ, yeah. they're all tuning in. JJ probably in Sardinia. LME probably in some uh, banana hammock in Barcelona. Just trying to just dust off the sangria he spilled on himself when Emiliano Martinez saved that last gasp effort. The big talking point for that game was Tyrone Mings coming back into the lineup, Tyro Mings, a player who was stripped of the captain's armband and lost his place in year two under Steven Gerrard. Massive call by Gerrard for the England International. And Mings, Mings comes in and he has a massive contribution. Late on, Everton pouring on the pressure. And Mings saving a possible just rebound goal from Solomon Rondon off the, the rebound from uh, Martinez. But these are the things that Gerrard's going to have to get right in his early coaching career. What's the balance for this Villa team? And this team. Felipe Coutinho, at what point do you just not start him and bring him off the bench? Because he's he's a player who just doesn't seem to be getting going yet. The inconsistency, the, the adapting to so much change happening the last couple of years from Bayern, the, the failed project in Barcelona and being back in England with the expectations that, for him to fulfill what he did at Liverpool. But Buendia, what a goal. That that combination with he and Ollie Al- Watkins. Ollie Watkins needs to be on the field. Never take him off again because this is a guy who will run in behind he gets the best out of Danny Yangs and he allows you to play two forwards, a front two for Aston Villa, which I think could be their best two when they play against mid-table to bottom-table teams.
1: That's well said, and obviously a great start to the season for Villa to get that against Everton. But listen, Mike, we're going to take a quick break. That wraps up our chat on the Premier League. We're going to do a whip around Europe right after this.
0: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit RobertHalf.com today.
3: Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, TaylorBrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T A I L O R B R A N D S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Welcome
1: back, everyone. Michael Hood joins me, your uh, fill in co host for LME. Uh, for this weekend in review. And don't forget, Paramount Plus is the one and only place to stream every minute of every Serie A match. And you can quickly and easily sign up for your very own account right now with a uh, free month, one-month trial by going to ParamountPlus.com forward slash Italy. Just click click the Try It Free button and use the promo code Italy for instant access to the best Italian club soccer available across all of your devices. Visit ParamountPlus.com forward slash Italy. Italy and start your streaming today now Mike, let's 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 stick with that theme here uh and go to to uh Syria opening weekends Milan in their own dramatic way uh go go up and then draw and up and then draw only to find themselves way out in front by the end of the match day and in dramatic fashion kick off their Syria campaign with a big win using uh the, the start of the game scoring very very early on you know the uh, classic big five that we talk about the first mm. five minutes they score First five minutes of the second half, they scored to 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 eliminate the the two two draw where they went into half halftime. You know that was a big one for me. Obviously, Inter Milan also starting Lukaku getting his goal, needing to leave it late for for Inter Milan to win that opener as well. Uh, which of those two matches stood out to you? And is there is there any players that were uh, that that were um, I think catalysts in in the, in their important starts for three points to kick off the season?
2: Well, let's start with Milan. The, I always have to start with the defending champions. And Milan, a tricky game. So often, when you're the defending champions, you're teaming with confidence. Milan, not doing as big of movement in the transfer window. They lose Frank Kessie to Barcelona, and they replace him with, is it uh, the, the, not Dutch, the the Belgian playmaker from Club Bruges. And the player that really stood out to me, obviously, Rebic, getting on the goal-scoring sheet. Giroud, not starting. Ibra, not in the fold. And so Rebic's now delivering for him. I think he's been at Milan and kind of been inconsistent in some of his performances. But this is a Milan team that has character under just the stewardship of Pioli. And just Theo Hernandez, this kid gets better and better. I expect him to be in full contention coming up with goals. I expect him to be in full contention playing with lots of confidence for the French national team as well. He's a player that will have to take the next step in his development to keep delivering in big big games offensively and also defensively for Milan. And for Inter, the big storyline is always going to be Romelu Lukaku. He did it last year for Chelsea, getting off the mark early. Now, can he keep his goal-scoring vein a form? A player whose skill set translates really well to Syria, physically imposing his movement in the final third, just has that hunger to score goals. His relationship with Otaro Martinez, another player, Very important for him to get the game-winning assist on almost the last kick of the game. Their chemistry, as they go, this inter-team goes. Martinez, was he was the guy last year. How are they going to maintain who's the guy between he and Lukaku this season? That's something that's going to be the key talking point.
1: Well, as I mentioned before, Lukaku gets that first goal. uh, Intermon needing to leave it late to actually wrap up the three points. But scoring in the second minute in my big five theme and Similar to Udinese, which I thought, man, it's a slow start for AC Milan giving up their first goal. And you see the player, as you mentioned, Theo Hernandez scoring that penalty. Rebic had a great game as well, having uh, a brace and Brahim Diaz obviously putting things away at the start of the second half for the AC Milan game. Uh you know, for for Inter, and, and we talk about this a lot, right? For for a long time, Syria didn't have that sort of uh, gravitas in terms of the drama, right? We look at We look at uh, the the Bundesliga and you see that Bayern Munich won again today. They're going to win again tomorrow and probably keep control of that. But in the Italian league, it just does seem like it's a wide open race last year, the year before, and this year as well. Even in Atalanta, uh, getting their their first three as well and trying to make a claim as somebody that we've sort of written off as saying, yeah, they might settle into that sort of five to eight position from here on out. Being a big club, but maybe not being able to compete for titles in the ways ways that we thought that they... Might have in the, in the years past. Was there any other matchup from the weekend um, that that stood out for you, or in terms of results, or anybody getting on the score sheets that that uh, that uh, are worth mentioning?
2: Yeah, I I keep it to Atalanta, and there's still games unfolding, and obviously AS Roma is going to be one to watch with Jose Mourinho. That that's really the game the game that I'm keen on seeing is can Jose Mourinho's team take the next step in that conversation to be in that top four and maybe even make it a top three. Jose Mourinho, no stranger to success in Serie A. And with the addition of Paulo Dybala, I think that's the first time in the last couple of weeks I haven't called him Pablo. So something I've been working on, mirror, mirror on the wall, no more Pablo for them all. But with Dybala coming in, th- there's just an extra gear. There's a lot of excitement in the Italian capital. I know Lazio getting off the mark in their game as well. Can Lazio, uh, Chiro Mobili can he defend his scoring title? But Syria, this is a league that got me really just enamored with European football in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And in the 2000s in particular, and arguably in the 90s, Italian soccer was the standard bearer. And I think the influx of foreign talent, you look at the teams like AC Milan, Rafael Leal, best player on the team last season, impact player, and you just look, Romelu Lukaku, Belgian national team striker, played a key part of Belgium's World Cup run four years ago. He's back in the fold. There's foreign influxes of talent coming back to Syria in ways we haven't seen for the last decade. And I think that's going to be an uptick in the quality for all teams discussed.
1: Well, as we speak, Mike Lahood, obviously uh, Maximiano uh, is sent off in the second, in the sixth minute uh, for Lazio, and they go down 1-0 on Bologna's opening goal of the season from Arnautovic, which is uh, unbelievable. Mm. Samaro gets sent off, so they go level on on players on the field, which is the most Italian thing to do ever on the opening <laughs> weekend is have multiple red cards. And then Silvestri uh, scores for Lazio now when they're uh, both playing with, with 10 men as we speak. This match is continuing to go on. And as uh, we mentioned before, Liverpool still have to play uh, Crystal Palace on on Monday night that's why we didn't talk about that one They they have yet to play and then as we are uh talking about this now there's still uh matches as you mentioned uh to be played in Syria Roma taking on uh Soler and Itana away from home and then uh Spezia or Spezia playing against uh Empoli. so there's still matches to be played over the weekend um shifting over to to quickly over to the Bundesliga Bayern Munich as I mentioned continue their their control uh, or early control as as expected Sadio Mane I believe um and and I I'll, I'll fact check this so I don't sound stupid um may have had a a, a missed penalty or a penalty called off or something mm. like that I'll get back to that in a minute but in terms of uh in terms of the the, the Bundesliga Mike Hood is there anything that that took place in 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 the Bundesliga that was uh worthwhile to you or 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 yeah. or, or surprising even you know as we look to to whether that's you know, I'll let you slip in a few. You know, I, I'm in soccer. We trust. God, I'll let you few, slip in a few uh, Americans abroad if you needed to. But <laughs> is there anything, any results um, from 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 the Bundesliga? Obviously, Bayern Munich playing today with a two-nil win over over um, uh, Wolfsburg, yeah. and then um, Bruce Dortmund getting the win as well.
2: Yeah, I think that Dortmund Freiburg game. I'm so happy that that was a Friday night special because Freiburg's a team uh, alongside Union Berlin. They're picking up where they left off. Last season and a, a young team that's been kept together. I know a lot of transfer rumors, a lot of teams in the Bundesliga, the Bayern Munichs, and the Dortmunds of the world looking to pick this team apart in terms of young talent. But a team that's really difficult to play against, and they're built from the back, built to counter. They get the early goal to shock Dortmund, but then goalkeeping error brings Dortmund back in the game. And and Brucia Dortmund, this is a Brucia and Dortmund without their leading goal scorer in early Holland. How will they respond? Gio Reyna is Dortmund. A Borussia Dortmund that I think will welcome Gio Reyna with open arms. Cannot wait to see him healthy, back in the fold, because that has big implications not just for Dortmund, but the U.S. men's national team. Love the kid. Think he's a baller. Think he could be a difference maker for the United States in Qatar. And then for Bayern, Bayern doing Bayern things. Thomas Müller winding back the clock, playing out wide of all things Nagelsmann getting the best out of the German international. Again, kind of rejigging things. And also Musiala love this kid. I think England, wish they could have had him in their ranks, just a creative spark getting yeah. This goal. is,
1: this is a guy Musiala who's continuing to be considered the star by the team and then living up to that expectation. We saw this with Florian Verts, who uh, shifts me to my, my, my talking point is, is, is Leverkusen one that mm. finished, I believe third in the uh, last season retained their players with 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 Diaby kept uh, Florian Wirtz um signed a new contract to to for um Patrick Schick this unbelievable yeah. goal scorer they signed him to yeah. a new contract as well so these players you know signing new new deals i i was like you know this guys could go a little step further and you know you see today with with RB Leipzig drawing uh, or this weekend with RB Leipzig drawing and you think man maybe there is an opportunity but they fall drop all three points to augsburg yeah. Our boy Ricardo Pepe, again, not only not only getting in in the 90th minute, clearly a sign that he, he's not longed for playing time uh, in the Bundesliga with Augsburg this season, perhaps need to get a last-second loan out of there because uh, it's not looking good for him uh, as they continue to sub out attacking players, and he's not even first or second on the list to get onto the field. So that's one that stood out for me. And then, as I mentioned already just now, uh, that draw between um, Le- Leipzig and Cologne uh, a big swing for for an RB Leipzig side. Zoboslai sent off in that match. But a big swing for a team that's uh, as ambitious as RB Leipzig and, and, and wants to be fighting for a Champions League spot year in and year out. Uh, let's move on now. We're going to shift over to uh, La Liga. Uh, hmm. Opening weekend impressions from you, Michael Hood. Barcelona versus Rayo. Uh, Barcelona continues to have these late registration issues, trying to figure things out. We saw Serginho Dest wasn't even on the bench, I believe for this one being linked to a Man United squad, which uh, is a dumpster fire right now. But (laughs) Delow could be in that conversation to move out with with, with potential Serginho Des moving in. So there's that drama there. But Lewandowski, you would think in a match like this, uh, where Sergio Busquets was sent off in around the 90th minute, but with the quality of players they have on the field, can you not score a goal in your opening weekend? Yes, there's a lot of pressure on you. Yes, there's a lot of drama in the club. But that's one that uh, immediately comes to mind as somebody who, could be challenging for a title, yet they weren't able to even break, break the deadlock in this match.
2: I think it's down to the pressure. This is a Barcelona team that is doing a, a full-on yard sale on every portion of the club. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to sell the B in Barcelona for a certain price. Maybe that'll go for know, 500 million euros to complete the registration of all future signings. But this is a Barcelona team that's that's, I think, because Real Madrid won the double last season with the Champions League and La Liga, it's the demand is, we have to win now. They have put all their eggs in immediate turn of results now. They have the manager, Barcelona legend and Xavi, who is getting the best out of young players. But then you're putting added pressure, and I think there might be a bit of an imbalance, is do you have the Barcelona way and the Barcelona DNA that got you success? La Masia graduates and young Spanish players, or are you going to go with foreign talent that you saw the Frank Reichards do to deliver a Champions League with the Ronaldinho's, with the Samuelettos, Ludovic Julis, and company, Mark Van Bommels, even? And I think this is a Barcelona team that's going to take time to carve out what type of identity are we because right now you have too many players that are still in your books, and, and that always creates chaos. Uh, just one of the score lines that was a shock result Sevilla going down to Osasuna. Two to one. There's a Sevilla team that was kind of in that running with Barcelona for second place in La Liga. A team that has Ivan Rakitic, who former Barcelona Champions League, league, league winning player and some quality solid players in their ranks. And, you know, a player that U.S. national team fans are familiar with, Tito Corona. They'll be hoping he has a really bad season <laughs> just at the World Cup. But this is a Sevilla team that's going to take time as well to gel, but a shock result and something that uh, I don't think Sevilla fans will be too stoked about. Well,
1: there was also the, the 3-0 win for Villarreal over Valladolid uh, over the weekend, which is a strong start for them. And then obviously in in today's uh, match, we've got Valencia playing uh, Girona 0-0 in the 37th minute as we are uh, taping this. Uh, with both Yunus Musa on the field as well as your boy Tati Castellano starting up top, mm. so a real opportunity for him to prove that he can convert the successes he had in Major League Soccer at the highest level against a very good squad. With Yunus Musa playing in that midfield three that we're all excited about, and then later on uh, today we have Almeria uh, playing at home against Real Madrid. So we don't we won't have the results for that one. And Real Sociedad getting that one nil uh, win over Cadiz. Uh, as we look at the uh, the table for this upcoming uh, uh, uh for this year to start so far Villarreal obviously on top Osasuna Real Sociedad huge wins for some of those teams your your Sociedad your Osasunas uh to be able to get three points to kick off the season um but when i look at Barcelona i just hope that they can settle things in and uh be able to i don't know have a little more stability uh, and and what they're doing to get the most out of their players, you know, with with the talk about where's Aubameyang gonna go, what's what's gonna happen to Serginho Desk Busquets, obviously showing some frustration, getting that second yeah. yellow card, uh, in the match. But was there any other matches from the from the weekend in in opening weekend for La Liga that that uh, are worth mentioning, or or we can move on to um league
2: Yeah, I just think keep an eye on Real Madrid. Now, how do they cope with the Super Cup win and coming back? There's a lot of expectations. How do you top what you did last year? Obviously, the treble is the only way you do that. But keep an eye on their match. Some new signings. a potential future star for the French national team, would like to see how he and Kamavinga do this season. Can they na- take the next step as Vinicius Jr. did in his career? I like that. Well, let's move on to League 1. Uh. Uh, and not sure if
1: there's anywhere that you feel like starting on this one, uh, but there's, there's plenty to talk about in, in, in Liga. I'm just getting this again. I'm moving all of these things around. So I'll get that, that going. Is there anywhere that, that, that stands out for you in terms of a, a place to start on Liga over the weekend?
2: Yeah, you have to start with the defending champions in PSG, a team that is going through a revolution of sorts and really. How do they turn the tide? On yes, we know it's it's there are certain certainties. You have like Bayern winning <laughs> the German Bundesliga. Liga is PSG's league of choice. Lille and Monaco. Every couple of years, they have something to say about about that. Maybe Marseille this year. They they didn't get the type of performance Marseille that they would have hoped to in, in their first couple of weeks. But this is a PSG team that looks to have more cohesion. And I'm surprised by that because once you give Kylian Mbappe the keys to the entire city of Paris, you typically don't see that type of response. But Neymar, yet again, on the score sheet. Kylian Mbappe, yet again, on the score sheet. And now can you get Lionel Messi to wind back the clock and continue to provide goals? Didn't do it this weekend, but they have depth. They have talent. Obviously, with the five-two win over Montpellier,
1: there was a couple of goals that you I've seen of classic uh, PSG early on in the season, where they're sort of a little bit too lackadaisical. But we're really in control of that match from start to finish, and and nothing to have to really be uh, concerned about, so to speak. No team away, obviously, in 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 Lille's match uh, over the weekend. But uh, looking at today's results, Auxerre uh two-two, Josio Lens. Play nil nil, and then Toulouse with a big three 0 win over over Troyes or Trois, um, and then Nice and Strasbourg playing one one, and then uh, Brest still to play against Marseille. Uh, with yeah. the the Lorient Lyon match postponed, not really sure why that one was postponed. I'm just seeing that now. So, um, was there any other any other things from around the globe or around Europe for the weekend other than Ajax's battering of Groningen six <laughs> one? Um, was there any other results that stand out or worth mentioning as we get to our closing thoughts?
2: Yeah, just correction on my end. I was I was thinking of the Monaco Ren game where it was one one. Monaco, a team that were so unfortunate with the ending of last season in terms of Champions League places, they didn't go their way. So one one to them, disappointing result for them considering how they started the season. Obviously, Marseille is still yet to come. Uh, for me, it's it's looking ahead to. I know there's oftentimes the easiest league to look at is the Premier League, and there's good reason. But I can't wait to watch Liverpool Crystal Palace tomorrow. Palace, is such a tricky team, very good at home. They go to Anfield. Liverpool, a disappointing week one performance. Very fortunate to get out of Craven Cottage with anything. And how do they show up? How do they cope with the loss of Sadio Mane, who looks to be very happy in Bavaria? Didn't get on the score sheet today, but looks to be the real deal in the German Bundesliga. Lots of question marks over Liverpool. We'll find out tomorrow.
1: Yeah, that's well said. And again, for 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 Crystal Palace, a team that were beat on the opening day by, I think it was Leeds. Uh, uh, um, mm, Arsenal. I, Arsenal. No, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about Wolves on the opening day. My yeah. bad. I should know that by Arsenal. I'm wearing the hat today. <laughs> um, but Crystal Palace, you know, sitting at the bottom of the table, a team that was really good, And in, in my opinion, just one or two players off of, potentially pushing yeah. for a European spot, an attractive team, style of play. Uh, they're going to have to play this Liverpool side on, on a Monday that... You know, you could see one of these teams sitting on, you know, again, you don't want to see Liverpool on one point after two match days, as well as uh, on the other side of, of Crystal Palace sitting at the bottom of the table. So that's one to watch. Any final thoughts, Michael Hood, as we close this thing out? Final thoughts of anything? You you know, you can say something nice to me. You can shout out to <laughs> LME, the rest of your Kegelosso crew. Whatever comes to mind, you, you now have the floor.
2: Uh, I think a big thing is now that all European leagues are up and running – I just cannot wait for European club competitions to be up and running the Champions League, the Europa Leagues, the Conference Leagues even. And I wish they created a special league, not the Super League. That's a trigger word for Manchester United. Maybe it's the Men's League. Hopefully (laughs) they will get their invite to that. But I said I'm done with my rant. I'll leave it at that. But cannot wait for European club competition because football is back. Soccer is back. Can't wait for everything else to unfold.
1: I love that, Michael Hood. I gotta ask you. I know you're at a hotel right now. Was the housekeeping just knocking on your door? <laughs> yeah. I think I heard that in the background. I've known that feeling. I've done plenty of podcasts yep. on the road, and you get that knock, and you start sweating, going, "Man, they might walk in right now and start uh, start yelling <laughs> at me." But that is it. That is the end of this show. Thank you so much, Michael Hood. Thank you to our producers, and of course. LME, and the rest of the crew that runs this every single day of the week will be back very, very soon. I'm just filling in. It's great to see you again, Mike. It's great to be back on this Kegel Also podcast. I was part of it for so long. So if you haven't already, make sure you comment, like, and subscribe. And until next time, that is it from us. See ya.